This is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black Podcast. Big old McBridgen, big up. Black up, make up, and rip it up. Make it sizzle on them just a little. Don't give them too much. Yeah, we in the black and it's all good. Mr. Hustle Hard, Orange Crush. This for all hoods. This for everybody. Yes, welcome, 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 what's up, what's up, what is up? Back once again, it is the incredible In The Black Podcast, and just in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world, and covering it all from the perspective of three grown-ass men who are probably still looking for Mother's Day gifts right now. I think that's accurate, at least for me anyway. No comment, no comment. <laughs> Mother, Mother's Day's coming? She... <laughs> we're gonna yes on to the next one i am your host big o mr in the black himself but you know i always gotta assemble the avengers hustle say what's up oh what's happening man i guess uh what is like black panther an avenger is he like a a pseudo avenger because i probably need black panther. oh no, no he's definitely an avenger okay then, and yeah. you are and you are not it sir crush say what's up <laughs> Do whatever you want, buddy. Before we continue, let me just say, happy birthday to my man Crush. Oh, you hear me? Can oh, we cut it up for Crush? Another year <laughs> under his belt. That's what's up. I won't have you tell folks how old you are, but you know, you know, uh, I will say that you're aging gracefully, sir. I'm. That's all good, man. I'm proud to be a black man. That's 45. What? 45? Yeah. That's what's mm-hmm. up. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. You are a man of a certain age officially, my dude. I see you. <laughs> are you <I> seasoned? <laughs> you Come be extraordinary gentleman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Phil has now gained the title of seasoned. We can call you an older man. <laughs> seasoned. A little paprika. Man, before we start, man, did you guys see recently, right? I was uh, there was an article that was released. The creators of Uno came out and said that there are uh, they reiterated the rules of Uno. They said you cannot stack certain cards on top of one another. And you know, black people they really don't pay too much attention to rules except for when it comes to spades. But it set off a a uh, a Twitter storm and it caused some trouble in this house. I'll tell you that for for certain. <laughs> Me and my wife we's going back and we've been going back and forth about this for the longest time. So you know I had this uh, had the show where she was like, I don't care what Uno says. Uno doesn't know how to play Uno. I was like, what? You know what, man? I put it like this. I put it like this. Uh, James, Dr. James Naismith created basketball. Right. He created it back in the 1800s, okay? Right. I make the argument that all the people who look like the people who are on this call actually make basketball what it is. Right. And so if Dr. James Naismith came and said, I, you can't, you're jumping up and dunking the ball and what? You didn't even look on that pass. And, you, like, you see, that's that, that's that's the that's the, ex, that's the exact excuses that you black people use for everything. What did you say, what did you say Mr. Officer? I was going 55. I was going 85 and a 55. I just thought that was a suggestion. I didn't know that was a real rule. Black people make the game. That's you know what? I'm a, the game. Well, whatever. And we have a special guest. Flavor. Hey, 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 hey. Flavor. They, they weren't slapping cards. They weren't doing any of that. Bring it all to the game. Oh, Whatever. Instructions say we can only put two cards down right now. <laughs> you, you know. Anyway, we've got a special <laughs> guest tonight. We're joined by Drew Harris Elons. Drew Dynamite, what is up? 
Hey man, all is well, all is well. I'm excited to um, hear my voice to come back and I've been quiet for a while, so I'm ready. You yeah, guys, yes, like, yes, it's hot. We have had it's you on hot. the show before, but for those folks that were not uh, fans of our incredible show at that time, please tell them who you are and uh, all the things that you've got going on. Ooh, okay, I'll just say I'm Drew Elons, I am a wife, a mom, and a truth teller, right? Mm. And I am excited about being able to reignite my voice. I've had the honor and the privilege to serve um, President Barack Obama. Uh, unfortunately, we have not had a president since um, President Barack Obama has served. I don't know where we're going in the country right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's at 1600. I, I, we're just out here. Um, doing our thing, but uh, I hail from the great state of Birmingham, Alabama, you know, the birth of the civil rights movement that gives us all the options that we have now, that mm. uh, I live now in the D.C., Maryland area, and I'm just glad to be uh, on this side of the living and having a great time tonight with you guys. That, no doubt. That's I appreciate it. We really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, before we get started into the meat and potatoes of the show, I want to make sure all of our listeners know we are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and all the other major podcast streaming services. Make sure you check us out at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram, as well as past episodes at www.intheblackpodcast.com. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd like for you to consider contributing to our show by joining us at www.patreon.com forward slash ITB. Be podcast so this, we can continue to bring you the content that you've come to know and love. Now, we're going to get into our black box letter, and this week's letter comes from Musa. Now, Musa writes, What's up, brothers? I wanted to get your take on what happened in Minnesota a few weeks back with the police officer that was charged with murder there. Um, I'm frustrated, I'm torn, and to be honest with you, I'm a bit confused. It looks like it took a perfect storm of elements to finally get an officer convicted of murdering an unarmed person. I hate being that guy. You know, the guy that sees race in everything. But in this case, dot, dot, dot. What are your thoughts, Musa the King? Now, on April 30th, a verdict was finally reached in the case of former Minneapolis police officer Muhammad Noir, uh, who killed an unarmed Australian woman by the name of Justine Diamond in July of 2017. Noir was found guilty of second-degree murder and man, uh, second-degree manslaughter, excuse me, and third-degree murder. Noir is a 33-year-old Somali-American who became a police officer back in 2016. I want to make sure that before we continue, at least for clarity's sake, in some states, third-degree murder is considered a... Uh, well, he's, it, it's it's categorized as a depraved mind, killer, yeah. which I thought the term was extremely interesting. And there's only three, yeah, three or four states that actually categorize third degree murder as a depraved mind killer. But we're all mm -hmm. familiar with the case. Let's start off with our guest. What did you think, uh, Drew, when you when you found out or when you heard the the results of the case? I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, um, there was a white woman that was killed by a black police officer. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't surprised. Um, 
I remember when the case happened, when we first heard about it on social media and the news, I knew then that he was, if they were going to try him, that no matter what he said about he was going to be afraid of for his life. I mean, who's going to be afraid of a white woman? Right. Uh, uh, so I figured he was going to go to jail. Uh, mm. I figured they were going to find him guilty anytime. Um, it's interesting to note that the person said, uh, Musa said that he didn't want to be that guy, you know, that sees race and everything. But what I know is a lot of times they're at the peril of many black men and black people in general, uh, it comes out of the mouth and at the hands of white women as well. So I, I mean, I don't know what else to add to that other than I am not surprised. And so I can't clap for, oh, you know, a police officer finally got his justice for killing an unarmed person. I, I'm still looking for justice for all of the black uh, and brown men and women boys and girls who have lost their lives or have been injured by police officers. So there's not a, a, a hooray for us in this moment. Indeed, indeed. Go ahead, Rick. I think a couple things. One, uh, interesting about the case, his partner actually testified against him. Yep. Uh, I think some commanding officers as well. They're basically, the, the picture was framed that he acted outside of protocol he was very trigger happy, if you will. Um, another thing is the family, uh, the estate, I think the, the woman's husband uh, received a settlement with the, the city for, I think, $20 million. That is correct. 25, yeah, something like that, yeah. It was $20 million, and it's the largest in Minneapolis uh, history. That's a massive amount. That actually may be like a national, close to a national record as well. Um, in comparison, I think, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of folks who have died by the hands of police who are black males, two million, three million, four million, five million, I think is around the the, the settlement. I think Freddie Gray's family, the same like amount. Um, and I don't say any of this, I, I, let's just put it all out there. The woman was seeking help and was murdered by the police. That's actually what happened, period. And, and we've seen this play out all the time. The difference is we've seen the races reversed. It's a white police officer. It's a black person who's seeking help and is killed. And I don't have an issue with the family being financially compensated. I don't have an issue with him being convicted. I have an issue that I knew the results, just like you said, when I knew who the officer was and I knew who the victim was. And in every other instance, I also know the results when the officer is white and the victim looks like me. And that's the problem. For me, it's an issue about accountability with the police, period. Because it's truthful that there, uh, there's excessive force with black people, that there's murders of black people, but there's also excessive force with people who aren't black. And those aren't publicized as much. And my issue comes down to what I always say, the incestuous relationship between the police force, the district attorney, the prosecutors, the county attorney, the judges. They are in bed together because that's how the system works. And I've right. said it for me. Anytime you deal with the criminal justice system, it starts with the police. They're the first person to come in contact with the suspect. They collect evidence. They do the arrest. They do the questioning and the interview. So the DA, the prosecutorial function in our country is indebted to the police. Basically, I think there was an understanding in Minneapolis that this brother was going down, which is why 
you have people testify, which is why they framed the picture in the way that they did. Instead of dealing with the police being corrupt, it was about him specifically. I, I think that the timing of that the, the incident in itself also played a part, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Phil, what did you uh, what did you think, man? Yeah, I mean, the, to be honest, I uh, you know it, it's it's sad to think that you know once you get the uh, the the racial dynamic in play that your your mindset just goes into default mode and you uh, you you already assume that for some reason that 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 blue wall of silence is not going to surround that brother you know for whatever reason and suddenly you know people are testifying and making him an example of oh this is how we are holding holding ourselves accountable but it's hard not to look at the dynamics wall. Yeah, I, I think that part of the problem with this was that once again the timing the right. timing i think was very critical and i say that because this was not too much longer or mu not too far along after the murder of philando castile and i think that minneapolis in in some aspects was going to make a scapegoat of somebody and i somebody. think that it was the perfect storm that it just happened to be a black man killing a white woman and a foreigner at that I can, yeah. And I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but I want you to try and grasp the, uh, I guess, the depth of it. A lily white, blonde haired, blue eyed white woman in Minneapolis was killed unarmed by a black man. That speaks volumes for a certain group in our country, for a certain demographic in our country. I yeah. think also it was very interesting because it's not the exact same, but similar, the similar similar reasoning of why he shot her was also used in the Castile case. Mm -hmm. And somehow the verdicts are completely different. He said he thought that he and his partner were in danger. He referenced protocol in it. And the prosecutor, to quote Biggie, got dug up in that ass like a wedgie, gave him the business for like several straight hours. And like I said, the, the excuse, the reasoning is very, very similar to the Castile trial. And somehow, some way, we have this result. And then on top of that, like we were t discussing, $20 million? Jeez. There are there are there are men and women who have spent almost 40 years in jail, incarcerated unjustly, and don't get that much when they're exonerated. It still talks about the value of a black life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, whatever happened with Philando Castile's case and this, there, this is not apples to apples, right? It does not matter. The fact of the matter is it was a white woman. It was a white woman, foreign or not. She could have been right there from Minneapolis. Blonde hair, blue eye, don't matter. Brunette, redhead, don't matter. Uh, what we see when we see a white woman and we're told is that she has value, she has purpose, she's a, she's a set on this high pedestal. She's pure, she's so innocent, she's she needs pure, protecting. And she's innocent, innocent. But when there's a black man or a black woman or a black boy or a black girl, we are not seen innocent, pure, worthy. And in the case of black men and black boys, we are you are seen as bucks, as somebody who has super strength and superhero. You know, you're the Black Panther, yeah, right? right? And so, of course, when you say, I fear for my life, it doesn't matter if the police officer was white or black. 
If he said he feared for his life, of course you would. It's a black man and you know they are dangerous. Mm. And black women, you know how they are. Yeah, right. So it just, I mean, I shouldn't be this callous, but in the sense of, you know, as the brother said, you know, she was unarmed, she was seeking help. It was definitely a situation that could have been avoided, but so are so many other situations that could have been avoided. And, you know, it's interesting to note when you talked about how his partner and others talked about a protocol. What about protocol when it came to Eric Garner? A chokehold is not protocol. Didn't nobody want to stand up that was right there and say that was against protocol. He still got a job. He's still kicking it. I'm sorry. This is just another situation where, yes, he got his due, I suppose. If what you all are saying, it makes everything seem a little shaky. I can't trust nothing that come out of the police. So it is what it is. I got a a question. Do you think that given circumstances, do you think that this sets a precedent? I think that's the biggest point. Because if- I I think the only only precedent is don't kill white ones. You know, like like that that precedent has been around for like 200 years. Like- 200 years? Unless they're on trial for being a witch. Or like a spy during World War II, like don't feel like <laughs> that's precedent. So well, you I, know, or if they're pro-choice, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> or like, or they're at a rally, like an anti anti-fascist rally in Charlottesville or something. You know, like, like yeah, that's the point is like, but he still went to jail, so he still got it. So, that's, that's so <laughs> I, I think that, I think the real <laughs> issue or protocol gets set, like happened with officers in South Carolina who said that the guy was fighting with him over the gun um, when the guy was actually running away from him. And the video contradicted his testimony. Yeah, Walter Scott. I forget the officer's name, but Walter Scott. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he went. He actually did get sentenced to jail. I think like 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. But don't forget, uh, let, let's let's back up. In that case that you're, that you're referencing now, the first trial was a hung jury. They couldn't come to a conclusion on whether he was guilty or not. But the prosecutors brought the charges again. So that's the whole point is that you're you're exactly right but they didn't decide to just let him go they actually did what they do to everybody else they bro- brought the charges again because they could it's not double jeopardy when it's a hung jury right. it's only somebody's found innocent so um so that to me would set a bigger precedent where an officer is shown to be lying under testimony written testimony whatever contradicted by it usually has to be video evidence and it's like a clear standard. Now, we've had that in several instances. Look what happened with Sandra Bland. I mean, we're talking right now, this week, they just released cell phone data. She recorded, actually, what happened. Yep. The officer was shown to be lying. And first of all, and I, I'm saying this is just my opinion, there's no way in the world that woman killed herself. There's right. zero chance. If there could be a negative percentage, I would take that. Thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but again, they, they were able to get civil settle, settlement, but they weren't able to prove anything criminally. There was any criminal malfeasance. But again, a woman like that, an activist against police bias, police brutality, is not going to be in jail and after three days murder herself. That's not how it works. But everything about her arrest from the time she was stopped until the time they, they found her unresponsive, if you will, was questionable at best. Mm-hmm. That, that's given the best benefit of the doubt. So that just came out, and we're talking about, what, four years later? After the fact, yeah. So my, my point I'm making is that it's about the police. 
It's about the system that's set up in our country where they're allowed to have certain powers and secrets that are not for the public purview. And it's been established that black life, as you mentioned, is of no value. That's the thing that has to be fought and changed. And the reason that I'm talking about this woman in Minneapolis is because I always say this, black people will not solve racism. No. We didn't create the problem. Right. We're not the one continuing the problem. Right. So we do as much as we can to fight it, but we're not going to solve it. The only people who solve racism are white people. The only people who solve police brutality are the police, period. You're period. right, but the, oh, it's, yeah. it's very unfortunate at this point because I think it says, we're talking about precedent initially, it sets a bad example when you show that the only way that people in this country can get justice is if they fit a certain mold. And on top of that, this, I, I still can't get over the settlement. The settlement is really blowing my mind. And I'm not saying that the family is not justified. What I'm saying is that the same criteria, we've seen it before where the court or the judge will step in and say, though the amount of the settlement was 30 million, whatever it is, we're not gonna give you that much money. Mm -hmm. And you usually see this in the case with black people. It happened to Philando Castile's family. It happened to Eric Garner's family. Mm. I'm. It's just it. It sets a bad. It sets a bad road for a lot of things, man. And I don't. I don't know where we go from here, but hopefully, the precedent that this has set is not the one that Rick has already described. That it's just, right. it's more than you got to be white to get justice in this country. I'm, I'm, mm. I mean, I'm usually not that you know optimistic about things, but I'm trying to be optimistic in this sense because. I don't know what I tell my kids if I'm not, you know what I mean? All right, what we're gonna do right now, we're gonna jump into the next segment. What do you think would happen if Donald Trump, God forbid, after the 2020 election, lost to let's say Elizabeth Warren and said, I am not stepping down. It was all a hoax. I'm sitting my white ass in this damn Oval Office. Go ahead and start it out, man. First of all, a lot of y'all I know terrified out there. <laughs> it's like y'all watching The Handmaid's Tale, and it's like Listen, after the show. Sister like, Drew how you almost didn't come on the show because she said, "I want no parts of that." I, the, 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 I can't do a talk about why we're talking about this, but then talk about a quick history lesson. We're talking about this because Nancy Pelosi brought it up, the Speaker of the House. Yes, she brought it up and said, "If he loses this election, twenty twenty, which he's going to, he is not going to step down." that we need to ensure we have things in be, place. Be more specific. She said she has a fear. She didn't say definitively. I want to make sure before you get me sent letters for nonsense. She said it's a fact. No. She <laughs> you, <must. laughs> you son of a I've written it right. <laughs> she, said, no, she, said, she, said, she said she didn't have a fear of this. And that was expressed, by the way, by Michael Cohen when he testified in front of the Congress. This is Donald Trump's personal attorney for years. He expressed the same exact uh, uh, comment, opinion, um, which set off alarm bells. Nancy Pelosi has reiterated that a lot of thinkers, a lot of people have talked about this. Mm -hmm. The reason it's been brought up is because when, leading up to the election in 2016, he said basically, if he loses their shenanigans, if he wins, he'll accept the result. Right. And you never heard a presidential candidate say that seriously, repeatedly leading up to any election before, but he's a different kind of guy, right? Remember he said it during the second um, the second debate and they asked him the question whether or not 
he would be willing to concede if he were to lose. And he said, I'll tell you after it happens. I'm yeah. not going to tell right. you now. Yeah. That's that's because he already knew the Russians were going to help him. But so, I digress. I'm, I'm positive. But anyway, again. <laughs> and but, that, they, that they were doing something with the uh, election boxes in Florida. But I digress. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I'm, so, Florida's a wonderful segue for the last time we had a disputed election, which was the year 2000. And uh, that was the election where Bill Clinton had left. Uh, his privates had left the White House, too. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had the best economy, though. So. I'll, I'll go Everybody was working. George saying. Bush uh, Jr. George W. Bush Jr. And in that election, Florida was the issue. Now, what was different is that you didn't have an incumbent president arguing that he should be allowed to stay in office. You did have a lawsuit by the Democratic challenger, who yeah. was vice president of the incumbent president. And you did have recounts. But eventually, Al Gore conceded, which changed the course of history. Yeah. Now, my Gore argument... Gore did that to him, too. What did you say now? Yeah. Yeah, of course. In a ruling, by the way... No, hold What did you say, Sister Drew? I said the Supreme Court helped that out. Well, in, Gore, in, was, in a, Gore was soft serve anyway, but go, go in, ahead, Rick. Very, in a very... In a 5-4 ruling, where they said this ruling cannot be used for precedent for anything. Basically, forget this happened. Yeah, Here's the rule. Right. Don't use this at all. Yeah. That, that, ne that never happened. Anyway, but the reason I bring that up is because you didn't have an incumbent president who was the commander-in-chief, who had all the machinery and weaponry of the political system behind him, who had a network feeding millions of people this idea that there's this conspiracy against him, and who had people, I'm not going to argue, in, in law enforcement, in the military, in militias, who really do believe it's their job to defend him with their lives. None of those things existed. So in 2020, we're going to have all of those things exist. And when he does lose the election, the question becomes, what's going to happen? That's that's my question. Deal. Okay, so this is this is the the part that gets me, and then I'll let Phil and then um, Sister Drew get in. Nancy Pelosi used that as a, I would say, as a tactic to try and get people, Democrats specifically, to not move further to the left. She said the only way that we can win is by large numbers. We have to blow him out the water so that there, there is no question about the election. And the only way we're going to do that, <clears throat> excuse me, is by, I'm paraphrasing here, but picking a safe candidate, not someone who's further to the left. So let's make sure that we're specific about that. That's, that's the real reason why she brought that up. But I will ask you guys, though, given everything we know, given the Mueller report, Given Barr telling uh, congressional committees to kiss his backside, he's not showing up to showing up in a, to be to the hearings. Do you really think that he would stay in office? I know that he could he would possibly make the argument, but do you really think that he would refuse to step down as president? I mean, I hate to say it, but you know that kind of scenario is terrifyingly plausible. Uh, um, while you know as much disdain as he has shown. For the role, um, his ego simply won't allow him <clears throat> to accept any kind of public defeat, um, you know, without trying to, to 
uh, you know, pass the book to someone else in terms of, you know, you know, why he lost or what were the, what were the, uh, the factors at play, you know, he's, he's going to stir the pot right there. That's, that's a very plausible situation, but Pelosi's right. Democrats will have to w- literally win very, very, by a very large margin, you know, so, you know, he won't find any, any reason to, uh, uh to, 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 to dispute it, you know? I, you know what? I think if we win by large margins, if we win by one electoral college vote, whatever, he is going to have a problem. He is he is either going to be like the five-year-old, I shouldn't even five, say five-year-old, the two-year-old who get mad because they lost in the game and take all their toys. And I'm just not, I'm not going to show you around the house. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do nothing. Me, Melania, and all of us, we out. We don't care. Or or we ain't going nowhere. Or you're going to be like Jennifer Holliday. I don't care. I ain't going. I'm staying. <laughs> and y'all all going to love me. <laughs> but, but what does that actually me. look like? What does that actually look like in reality? Like, you know is, is he really going to tell federal police? No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. The, I, I'm not leaving I, the I, I believe that they would literally have to show up and take him out. I really do, because he is just that egotistical, what's the word, narcissist? Yeah, like, he does, he is not going to believe any report, because number one, he still believes he got help. He still got help on 2020. Yeah. So he is banking on that he's going to win. The reason why he is saying and I'm not giving you nothing. I'm exerting executive privilege on stuff that's already been put out there. Right. It's because he knows that what the public will see, the public will see it and hear it and start to think, mm. because even he started to doubt Brett Kavanaugh when, that when um, the girl, Christine um, Blasey Ford, Ford, yeah. Ford had, was testifying. He was doubting his decision on Brett Kavanaugh. So he, if he did it, he knows what theatrical, what TV would do for him, right? So then, if we don't, if we don't blow him out, the, if we blow him out the water, if we don't blow him out the water, it does not matter. He is, it's going to be a problem. It will not be a smooth transition either way. I don't know about a safe candidate. I don't know if she's really advocating necessarily for a safe candidate. I don't know. I don't. I won't even put that out there. I know who I ain't for, but if if he make it, then I'll just vote for him. You, you, you know what? <laughs> I know you. I know you, you got just about the guy who wants to fight against capitalism. I'm talking about the guy who actually honeymooned in Russia. You know what? And was with a t-shirt of smoking and kicking it in. Russia. That's what I'm talking That's about. That's because Sister Drew. Sister Drew. No, 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 no. Sister Drew likes uh, a Mayor Pete booty free, leg over there. Can't nobody get is. free college if I'm still paying student loans. Can't nobody go for free. You know I'm what? <laughs> you sound like no. a hater over here. Haters oh, gonna hate. I am a hater. Can't nobody go for it. No, no, no seriously. That's because she likes oh. better O'Rourke and, P- and Mayor Pete. Oh, that's do why. Do not like neither. Neither. They don't get win. They don't cute. But he ain't win. Yeah, no Watch doubt. out. Beto might be like John Edwards. We don't know. Okay? I'm, I'm very skeptical. He anyway. found out about John Edwards until he lost. Listen, okay, Sister Drew, I know, you got, I know you have people in your circles. I don't want 
video and audio evidence to get you in any trouble, okay? I will don't vote say for the nominee. I'll say that. That's right. Now, let I'm, me, I'm hoping it ain't Bernie, though. I ain't gonna lie. You know, anyway, so what, I, what I'm gonna say is this. I think that it's very interesting that we need to put a lot more blame and put a lot more attention on the media as we go through this process. Yes. If you recall, during 2016, mm-hmm. the media looked at Donald Trump as a novelty. Looked at him as just a joke. A and celebrity. They, and they aired him and his antics and these quotes on relay day yeah. in and day out, day in and day out, which ultimately I believe helped to foster the groundswell that came up behind him. So you see. And his guy, legitimacy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have him saying on you have him saying that the system is rigged. If I lose, it's because of X, Y, and Z. And the media, for whatever reason, is like Look at this clown. Why is he saying something like that? Isn't it interesting and funny that a candidate would say something like that and they would put it on loop, not knowing that people are, it's seeping into people's heads every day that they hear it. I don't even think they say it like that. They what do you just mean? say what he says. They repeat what he says and don't qualify it like they need to qualify it. Okay, I'll give you that. They I'll say, Donald Trump says the system is rigged. Donald Trump says the Mueller report is done. Donald Trump says it exonerates me. Instead of saying the Mueller report did not exonerate, even though he says that. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he lying. You know, like that's the problem. The problem right now is the media is all focused on whether the Democrats are going to pursue impeachment process when they really not rightly dividing the Mueller report and all of the atrocities that's going on in his administration as we speak. They're already knocked out uh, pre-existing conditions. They've already, they're still got kids missing they, uh, from their parents. Like, it's still so much going on. They're worried about the wrong thing. And, and so, folks, yes, it's media fault. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think that um, the reason I think it's a viable situation is that I think that people at every turn have underestimated how uh, accepting people are of someone who takes charge. Hmm. Okay. Look at things that happened in other countries, like uh, in Argentina when they had a coup in the 70s. We look at things that happened in Iraq, Iran, yeah, yeah, right. other countries, and we're like, this is the United States of America. I mean, I sat in a social studies class, this happened in 1776, and we've had a straight line and everything's worked out. Well, we forget in our country that the, the Revolutionary War was about traitors to Britain. It was about rich white men who were tired of paying taxes and said, you know what, we got a good deal here. So they actually were traitors to their country, and that's why we, okay? We forget about the Civil War, which <laughs> tore this country apart. And getting it back together was painstaking. Mm-hmm. Because we're not of that generation, we don't understand what that meant. You mm-hmm. have reconstruction and then the horrors that came as a result of the backlash against black people in this country. So we've had, if you will, many revolutions and big revolutions, but the idea that you allow so many institutions to be destroyed, the, 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 the lack of faith in the, the uh, press, the lack of faith in FBI, CIA, State Department, any sort of government agency, the lack of faith in people who are talking about uh, spies and spying and crime, 
the the idea that you can sow discord in almost every American institution, mm-hmm. and it's been done by one person with the help, aid and abetting, as you mentioned, of the media and others, that you have spineless people in his party who said who he was while he was running, and then all of a sudden now he's a saint. Yeah, right. Typically said, this man's a charlatan, he's a crook. It, Mitt Romney, if you will, to use the, the vernacular, read the hell out of him. He took time to have a press conference speech for two hours where he listed every failure this man's ever had. Listed them, dude. Like he's reading it off the sheet. <laughs> and then went to go kiss the ring to be Secretary of State, though. And, and, and also take his endorsement to be Senator. Yeah, and then exactly. vote for legislation he wants. My whole point is that people are compromising themselves for power. And what happens is that our country turns into something we don't recognize. I think that whoever is willing to do the most will win. I'm going to make sure that this particular part that you said, hold on, this particular part that you've been discussing, I'm going to tag Lindsey. I'm going to tag Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz so they make sure to see that. So, no, but you know what? I also want you to tag all the Democrats who are terrified of talking about impeachment because here's the issue: when he says. I will not concede the election in January 2021. And he sits there. And now you're talking about lawsuits that can go on for years while he still is acting president. Tell me then about how having an election and having something call it democracy has value. Because I argue with you, you nobody's going to take him out. There's not federal police who are going to take him out. There's not military members who are going to take him out. No one's going to take him out. No, they won't. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Because at every level, first of all, he fired the head of the Secret Service. We forgot that about three or four months ago. It doesn't matter. We have Nazis. We have white militia. Every level in our country. There is a transition. There's a transition that takes place. Yeah. So if if somebody is not <laughs> unless he stops the inauguration, <laughs> unless he no. stops the inauguration, <laughs> he, <say> no. <laughs> he is not president and Try therefore is trespassing at that moment. Okay. Let me give That's you all I'm saying. Venezuela. That exact situation is happening in Venezuela right now. They have an election. Someone's elected, and the person who was the challenger has not conceded the election. He actually, the guy who's the challenger, has the support of the United States government. He has the support of other governments as well, and moneyed interests that are trying to create a coup situation in Venezuela. That's happening. What I just outlined is happening right now. Mm-hmm. What, you've, what you've outlined is not happening in America. So let's, let, God, God forbid bad things, it'll never happen. But two things before we close out. One, your boy recently did retweet or ha- the White House, quote unquote, his circle is mulling over the fact that he should get an extension of two years in the White right. House because yeah. of the extension. Mueller report. That this is what he this is what he uh, what, what is it? Uh, Jerry you Falwell know, he, tweeted it. Then, yeah, Jerry yeah, Falwell tweeted it and then he retweeted it. Secondly, before we close out, the fact that we're even having this conversation by itself says a lot about where we are as a country and where our political system is right now. So I'm hoping that 2020 is a different story, but we got to be ready for the worst outcomes, though, either way. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to ask the question whether or not, whether you're married or not, is it okay if your spouse gets attention from the opposite sex or from other people outside of their marriage? Uh, So stick around. We'll be right back.
All right, thanks for sticking around and welcome back. In the previous segments, we talked about how Minneapolis has a contradiction issue. Uh, we also talked about what would dare happen if the president, 45, refused to step out of the Oval Office. But right now, we're going to get into some we're going to get into some uh, relationship stuff. Um, on a recent episode of the Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, Aisha Curry, wife of Golden State Warriors superstar Steph Curry, was on the show. She, Steph's mom, and the rest of the ladies talked about what it was like being the wives of notable men and the difficulties that come along with that. Aisha talked about her annoyances with groupies and how she has to defend her territory, and I'm putting that in quotations. But she also mentioned how she had now has a complex because she's married to Steph Curry and she's for the past 10 years that she's been married to Steph Curry, she's gotten zero male attention. As you can imagine, this caused a lot of people to come after her neck. Uh, I'm going to let our guest start off. Sister Drew, what did you think when you heard it? Yes, ma'am. Well, here it is. First of all, Aisha Curry is the girl, the NBA wife, the whatever that we all love to hate, right? And I say we all, not including me. <laughs> okay, okay. But the internet and social media <laughs> has given everybody this thought that all that they have to say and their opinions matter, you know? So we all, right. all go in, and like you said, brothers and sisters have all gone in on Aisha Curry about what she said, when in fact she was only being, uh, she took a moment and she was being vulnerable, if you watch the video, it yeah. was some other stuff that was said in the yeah. video that we all should be picking picking up on. Yeah. But since we're here on her and what she said, I think it was just blown completely out of proportion in the sense that as a wife, uh, I think my man is 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 fine. He is not as you Steph should. Curry. Right. He's not Steph Curry, but he's fine. Right. And I enjoy, I think. I remember a time that he and I was out and this other man told him, looking at me and told him, man, you are winning. That made my day. One, that meant I had it going on at that moment. <laughs> Pop collar. <laughs> but it also puffed him up, you know? Right. It right, was like, right. not that he didn't know that I had it going on, but the fact that somebody else re recognized that. And I think basically Aisha, with everything that's going on, the, she popped out them three kids. She probably yeah. got some insecurities there. Right. Uh, women that are these groupies, many of them are just beyond gorgeous and everything is in the right place and popping out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and as she says, Steph Curry is a nice guy, so he's just kind of just nice, you know, and dealing with celebrity. And I, I understood her saying that. Mm. And it's not necessarily about wanting, because she even said, I don't really want it. I'm just saying, what about me? And I, I read an article. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh, so you put it on loop. Yes, I'm gonna have it on loop. Right. It, it, it probably, yeah, please put it on the hook. <laughs> so, probably somebody said in an article or in a post that 
she's probably not getting the same kind of caliber of men, if you will, that respond to her when she's just out and about, you know, going to the grocery store, wherever she's doing or whatever she's right. doing, as he is when he's at the games and it's the groupies. So she she ignores those guys in a sense because it's not the same caliber. It's not the other basketball players, I guess, if you will, if that's equivalent, that's hollering at her. They're just respecting her. She's married, right? They're giving her the respect or him the respect right. and not to holler at her. But right. I think it was very, um, it was blown out of proportion, but I also believe it was very honest. And as somebody who's married, I do appreciate when I'm out, as long as it's not you invade my space, I appreciate that people other understand that I still got it going on, even though I'm married and I got a kid. I just like to hear it. And I do let my husband know, you know, when I was at the grocery store, <laughs> <laughs> this man was following me around. You better keep it up, boo. You need to keep it up. Hold on. Let me make sure that we also specify the fact that I'm not trying to tell tales out of school and I'm not being disparaging, but you are a woman of a certain age. And yes. there are a group of 45, women. 45, see, don't see, lie. See, don't see, see. And, but there are some All women right. now in this day and age that that type of attention might not come across, uh, might not come across the same way. You get what I'm saying? No. I don't blame him for saying right. that because I, I mean there's been a, there's been a movement as of late that any man that approaches a woman in that type of manner is it's comes across as harassment. So I, if, I I think that part of that is also the changing of the culture. Maybe I, that's I don't know if it's harassment. It's more it, it can be harassment um, depending upon how the person if he's continuing. To be aggressive. If if I'm saying, if I'm so at an example, guy at the grocery store, work at the grocery store, I am not interested. It was so funny. I had all my AKA stuff. He said, Oh, AKA's like folks has got all their teeth and jobs. And I was like, <laughs> Any woman like somebody that's got all their teeth and a job, but okay. <laughs> um, but the point is, every time I was going to the grocery store, he felt compelled to talk to me. And hmm. I'm like, brother, you can't I, I'm being nice, but no. I don't want to say just bag my groceries because that's me. Then he'll say all AKAs are snooty. But at some point... Well, I you know, to, all I AKAs to, are kind of snooty, though. No, they're not. I need, I need to be able to cut it so he can be like, okay, I'm not interested. But there are times when guys can be aggressive and the whole Me Too movement has changed. I don't even want to go there. Right. But the whole point is there is something to be said that when somebody acknowledges that you're putting in the work uh, to look good, to feel good about yourself, you're working out, whatever it is, sometimes that acknowledgement helps. Um, and she might, might be just dealing with her own insecurities because uh, she looked a little plump. I ain't going to lie. On the red she, table, I was she like, just, oh. She's, she's, she's had three children. I thought the same ex thing. Exactly. I was I like, she's looking thing. a little plump, but okay. But to your point, she's having she had kids and she's probably dealing with her own insecurities right now. Yeah, and she yeah. was just being honest. She's being very and I feel like right. And I feel like people were making much do about nothing, but there's nothing wrong if somebody pays, I mean, I don't know, somebody pays your wife or insignificant your significant other compliments. I mean, what what's the big deal? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Aisha Curry needs to uh, shut up and dribble. And uh, <laughs> 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 
That's how I really feel. But <laughs> you can send you can send all of your hate mail to at real Rick McCray at what TV. Oh, told me to say that to start a podcast. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. What I actually mean is that I fully understand what you're saying. She started this off by saying this is insecurity, but this all started with her talking about her own personal insecurities. It had nothing to do with Steph Curry. It had nothing to do right. with guys. This is something she feels insecure about. And there's a whole mixture of things. As a husband, I wouldn't like to hear her say that, but I would like to hear the guys are leaving her the hell alone. Like that would that would make me happy because it means that like, <laughs> keep your eyes to yourself, homeboy. Keep your eyes to yourself, homeboy. What it means is that my, my, my teammates are respecting me. Right. Others in the league are respecting me. Other men are respecting me, and yes. they respect the fact that I'm trying to build something. Exactly. I'm a man, they don't know what you're trying to build when they see your wife out in public. Be quiet. What yeah. the hell are you talking about? Excuse me. Are you serious? Everybody Dude. knows that. Everybody knows Steph Curry has investments outside. I'm of not me. talking about oh. Steph Curry. I'm Aisha talking about Curry. you specifically. When men see women oh, out in public, no, they're not no, thinking no, about. No, they, no, they're not thinking It seems to me that what's happening is that. It's not that she's not beautiful. It's not that guys aren't attracted to her, but it's that they see them building something. It's not a shaky situation. It it doesn't seem like she's somebody who is willing to uh, be like LeBron um, and uh, and do like really weird, strange things with really ugly people. Um, that's not <laughs> what she's trying to do. She's trying to she's trying to build. It's, something. it's a foul of your part, my dude. They, they talk about. About they talk about the religion. That's a tech two shot. We about to inject him from the game. Listen, 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 listen. I think that there's there's two parts to this that I think that we need yeah. to make sure that we jump on top of. One, right. the fact that she said that she knows one that is her part of her insecurity, but at the same time, you know that she makes sure he's always done, a, I guess, an adequate job. Right, because she didn't really go too much in depth about how Steph treats her and whatever. You know, it's a, I, I love you that mm-hmm. that type of stuff. But I don't think anyone has actually questioned if what the attention she's getting at home is sufficient. And I, I know you're going to call a tech on me, but I think it's a real. I think it's. I think it's a real question that we need to ask because you know nope. sometimes it's not. You don't need to no. If yes. you're not no. hold on hold on, hold on. if sometimes so let's 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 be real. There are many okay, situations no, no, where if be... you're not getting it at home, if you're not getting that attention at home, you oh. seek it outside. We we've seen this. It's it's a story since time let's, immemorial. Let's, I'm not no, saying that's her case. I'm just real. saying it's possible. Mm-mm. Let's be real. Okay. After I had my baby, I, yeah, I had on my extra pounds. My husband made me feel like I was the most beautiful thing in the world. That everything was gorgeous. You just, you, I used to always tell him I gave, I was carrying life. So now life is here and all of that. I had my own insecurities about me. No matter what he said yeah. and tried to do, he he did his part of making me feel. Even now, as I'm trying to lose my extra pounds because I'm 45, you know, is he? I, you find you? He makes me feel. He makes me feel beautiful. But then if I'm out, I'm like, man, I still got the, ooh, Lord. Look at that. I looked at myself around the mirror. I'm like, ooh, don't take no pictures. I don't want no pictures on Facebook. So hold up. So hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. But, so what, you're, what you're saying is it's like when your mama says you look good. It's like, your right, mama says you look good. But right. you're like, but you my mama. You're right. supposed to say you look good. My husband's supposed to say I look good. 
I think that she said, Aisha Curry said something that, you know, quote unquote, should have been said in private. It was honest. It was vulnerable. It was real. She was around a group of women, but she said it on, you know, Red Table Talk. And so that's why we're talking about it. Right. And we're, we're dissecting it. But the reality is, it is nice to have somebody who's not connected to you, not indebted to your success, exactly. and self-esteem, to feel like, hey, you're a valuable person. Hey, I'm just letting you know, hey, you look good. Hey, you're smart. Hey, I really like what you're wearing right now. Like, all that's nice. Without <laughs> you having to take it outside of the bounds of your marriage, which I think is what she was, the point she was making. Right. And I think it is very easy to hate on Aisha Curry because she's hated it on Because she's hated on other people, simply. Um, and hated in the sense of, <laughs> you shouldn't dress like that. We don't do that in my house. Blah, 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 blah. You know, by talking about that, it's a way to sort of shade people without specifically naming them. And so I think people are just giving it back to her. Um, I'm, I'm, really I'm going to let Phil jump in, but we would be remiss if we didn't say that Aisha Curry is her own woman, strong and independent with an enterprise of her own. So it's not as though she's because I think some of the some of the argument has been made that she's searching for attention because she's not yes. she's not. Uh, "Quote unquote," I guess equivalent to her husband, but she's her own person and a strong, a strong version of her own person. Phil, and, and wait, wait. I'm, I'm sorry, Phil. I know you got to get in, but this one thing I want to jump in real quick about that that I didn't say earlier is people um, also were hating on her around the fact that she was nobody. She's really just Steph Curry's wife, and the reason why she's able to do this and this and that is is because of him and his celebrity. Mm. And truth be told, as far as I'm concerned, and I know I'm the only woman on this podcast, is that very successful men, I think Will Smith said this on one of the red tables about why he wanted to be married and stay married. He didn't really want to get a divorce because he recognized that very successful men had wives and strong marriages. And so while he is successful because he dribble a ball uh his foundation and his confidence come from having a sound home mm. and someone who is caring for yep. that space Absolutely. that virtuous woman <clears throat> that's doing her own thing bringing everything in and also taking care of home I there you that. go phil well, <laughs> you I, mean, I, I, I mean rocking up me i'm both on you know what she, what she just what she just described because i think this you know quote-unquote lack of male attention is a direct result of the narrative you just painted, sister. I mean, you know, they uh, from the from the gate, the image was of a strong family that believed in each other, that believed in Christ, and, and you know, and this is something that you know translated to his success to a certain right. level, to, to a certain extent. And um, you know, me personally, of course, being married to a woman that you know still gets you know still gets her compliments and a little harassment out there in the world. You know, I'm, I'm you know I'm good on that though. Um, you don't sound too good on that. Um, I'm, Phil's I'm lying to you. Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil knows. Phil keeps a little something, something for fools, man. But I, go ahead, Phil. I, you know, a little bat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so, the, the thing is, is that you know she. Uh, this, this, this is the narrative that she's uh, that she's made with him, and that uh, you know I think a lot of it really. As corny as it sounds, but a lot of brothers, I you know, said this too. And the humble is like, look, man, you know, this is a direct result. I think this is all you know, around a, a certain level of respect for 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 for, for the Curry family. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, you're you're in the public eye. Your marriage is in 
got the strong marriages in public eye, and, and Steph Curry is a good dude. Right. You know, and yeah. so and she and she has always inspired the hate, has always projected herself as a good woman. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know brothers, he's like, I mean, yeah, you, you can say like you're looking wonderful today, but you know, you're just gonna shake her hand from a distance. You know what I'm saying? You're not gonna come in close and disrespect you know, like same thing with you know, Jane Beyonce, for example. You know, right. that's right. We, to, we talked about that. How do you beat another man's wife? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. No, no, but but I just want to put this in there because we haven't addressed this yet of how in a sexist society this works because that doesn't work conversely. Conversely, what happens when you have a successful man who's married, faithful, good family is the skeezers come out. Right. And they do for him. Because it's historically known that a man's weakness is is sex, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't work in the exact same way, which is shameful, which is sad, but it's true. Because she mentioned all these women who are willing to do whatever for Steph Curry because he's successful, right? But they're, they're, I'm positive there are gold-digging men. There's definitely gold-digging men. I mean, look at what happened with um, uh, How Stella Got a Groove Back. Uh, uh, God, forgetting the name of the author of How Stella Got a Groove Back. But the Jamaican, Terry, uh-huh. Yeah, Terry, Terry McMillan. The cat who came over, got what he needed in Mount. Um, um. I think that these men exist, but I think that society set up mm-hmm. so that there's been this, if you will, underclass right. where women can give sexual favors for money and lifestyle and rich, wealthy men accept it. And it doesn't matter what time period you're talking about. It doesn't matter what country you're talking about. That's how it works. And I feel like that to me is a product of sexism. That's a, that's it, a product. It is true, but I mean that's because uh, successful men typically have women that are not necessarily. And I and I, I don't. Once again, I don't say this disparagingly, but it, t- successful men typically have wives or women that are trophy wives, not women that are of import or success. So you have these women in many cases that you have a a beautiful wife that maybe at the end of the day. She's trying to compare herself. And I think I really read and saw and felt her insecurity as she was talking. Because you think about some of these women that, like you, like Sister Drew said, that show up. And they got all the bim, bam, and the bow. And she's going through her thing. You know what I mean? I think it's, I'll take what Rick said a step further. Yeah. Could you imagine if it was a dude that said what Aisha Curry said? Because when she said that on the show, the sisterhood of traveling pants gaveled, galvanized around her and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. listen to what I'm saying. All of them ga- listen to what I'm saying. They galvanized, around, to, uh, <laughs> they, they galvanized around her and they were like, no, it's not you. They looking, you just not looking at them, blah, blah, blah. They gave her some support. Could you imagine if a dude said that? No. Could you imagine, even if you can't imagine if a dude said that, could you imagine if a dude said that, what the response of other dudes would be? You would lose everything. said that. You would lose everything. No, my wife is successful. You would lose everything. I'm doing my own thing, but, you know, I, I wish some ladies would show me some attention. You're like, what, dude? Are you serious? Just, <laughs> you make a statement. It would just sound weird. I don't know how <laughs> And why should it sound weird? We're saying that this why is a human thing. Oh, no, I said that it's a human thing. I agree. But it doesn't happen. It's a human thing. Like Everybody has the insecurities. No. No. Nah, man. Phil's no. <laughs> no. about to tell his mom, like, nah, I can't hang out with O anymore. He's He's got soft tendencies. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I, I mean, it does sound, sound sexist, but the idea that, you know, I mean, granted, everyone has insecurities, you know, but, right. you know, you're not going to see a man get up there and, say, and complain about not getting female attention. But that's because society you know? has told you to shut up about it. Go out no, there. You're, you're supposed to be capable of doing that shit. But I don't believe that Aisha <laughs> is not getting male attention. I don't think yeah. so. It's just not the same caliber Thank you. I think of that's what's what happening on the other yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think she is. I don't think, because listen, every time she goes out the door, everybody does not know exactly who she is. Right. Right? Everybody doesn't know who she is. She could probably walk into an elementary school and nobody would know who she was. Right. Okay? Right. She can walk into places and nobody know who she is. So I am not going to believe that when she goes somewhere, just going, like hair and ponytail, jock suit, going to do whatever she's got to do, that nobody is giving her attention. It is just not in the same way nor the same caliber, probably, as what she sees happens when her husband is out and she's with her husband and how folks just, and what's flocking to him versus what she see or doesn't see or doesn't pay attention. And it's probably the, oh, okay, I see you, Aisha. And the guys keep on going. They don't say nothing. They keep it moving because they, re they realize what's going on with that maybe. Um, but I, I, I just feel like it's just not the same caliber. But right. I hope that you all talk about what Callie Rivers, Doc Rivers' daughter, said on that show. Because apparently she's struggling with identifying as being black. Now, part, yep. Her mother's white. Yes, yes, yes. Her mother is white. Obviously, Doc Rivers is black. Right. And a question came up to Mama Curry, I forgot what her name is, who grew up in Virginia, and was just talking about growing up, and um, they, the discussion was about um, not being um, black enough, which is what they all got too, right? They're not mm -hmm. black enough because they're light-skinned. Right. And uh, she said, well, did you feel, so whatever her name is, Callie, Rivers asked Mama Curry, Sonia. did you ever feel, Sonia, that did you ever feel like you should not, um, that you had to choose if you, that you had to choose one race or the other. Mm. And Sonia was like, oh, I'm black. And went on about the story. But the camera, y'all gotta go back and look at this. The camera Let's looked stood on her. I'm... Stood on her. And she, and she like was she looking was sure. like, yeah, she looked like I don't she know. You know what? Now, hold on a second, hold on a second. That, that is a very important discussion. I know, I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up at the I, last I'm, minute. I'm, don't I'm, get me, Sean. No, it's okay. <laughs> Gonna, I'm gonna Excuse summarize. Me? What'd you say? You? Don't get me. Don't I'll, get me. Don't get me. I'll summarize <laughs> it and give all the, the factual conclusions on it. Um, so basically, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. I was raised in the South. For me, if you're black, you're black. Meaning, you can look white, but if you have black lineage, you're black. That's what Sonya said. But, but, but that is not true. Hmm. Not true. It is based on how things happen in this country. It is based on enslavement, it is based on racism, it is based on prejudice and Jim Crow. Because the idea is you have to separate. This country was built on the fact that black is attacked, it's utilized, it's enslaved, everything about it is used. It's told it's not what it actually is. It's told it's ugly when it's beautiful. And white is protected. Every immigrant group in this country that has come has tried to grab gravitate towards white and away from black because that's how the country was set up and it's been that way since the first African came here. Black blood 
the idea of you being black because you have a drop of black blood was not created to celebrate us. It was created to keep us in chains. That's the fact. We embrace it because we love ourselves, we love our culture, we fight for the truth of who we are. But it is not a fact that because someone has black lineage, that makes them black. It's how our American society is you, you could also say that if both your parents black, don't necessarily mean you black if you don't identify with the culture. So, because what I hear you saying is, is also experience and culture. Uh, because if somebody wants to identify as black, what does that mean? If we're saying it's not just because you have the drop of blood. And I think in Europe, we have some of the same things. I don't think it's just America. I think the world sees black as bad or African as a way to yeah. do whatever they needed to do to get whatever they do as, as economy, right? So I, I believe it's not just America, but I think it was very interesting that that young lady struggles with that as the same as Meghan Markle struggles because she says she doesn't identify as being black. Mm. But a black mama is the one that came over there to the uh, wedding. Come see yeah. the baby. And, and, and yeah, it, it's just, it's important. And the reason I bring it up is because I've never had the experience of being biracial. Mm-hmm. But my favorite president had. Mm-hmm. He was raised by a white woman with white grandparents. You know? And yet, he, he identifies exactly. He identifies himself as a black man. He married a black woman. He has black daughters. You know, and and so I don't want to invalidate anyone's experience mm-hmm. just because it's not something that I've been been taught. But I also want to really be honest about where our mentality is coming from, and we have to address that. I before we close it out, I really think that we got to be careful on how we delineate our our association or people's association to the culture, because mm-hmm. as you're saying that. Rachel Dolezal's association to the culture opened the door for her to say that she's now identifying as racial. So uh, let's we got to be careful how we we got to be careful how we do that. I'm just right. saying what I'm saying. I see you. I see you. Right about now is the time that we love to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So I'll start off with hustle. Hustle. What's up? Yo, what's up? Uh, watch out for the states that are making it illegal to have group voting. Um, what I mean is in Tennessee, they just passed a law that, uh, would stop, make it basically illegal for people to take hands of elderly to go vote, to take groups to go vote in mass voting. Mm -hmm. Basically what they're doing is trying to stop any effort to Mm -hmm. get groups of people who would have trouble voting individually to come together to vote. The jinx is in, the fix is in. They're setting it up right now to make it as hard as possible for people who would vote overwhelmingly against the current president to have the access to do it. That's not just Tennessee. It's happening in a lot of southern states. Pay attention to your state and what the rules are and make sure that you're going to vote and you're going to bring people to vote in a legal way in 2020. Crush, what's up, man? Well, a bit of a unusual. 
for Hollywood news, uh, Chadwick Boseman has been chosen to play Yasuke, the first African samurai in Japan. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, uh, what? What's the problem? Because it's Chadwick Boseman. He's a, he's an incredible actor, but they've. It seems like Hollywood has chosen him as the de facto black man to play all of these historical figures. And there's tons of other black people that they could have been cho- could could have been chosen. You can say meh because you like Chadwick Boseman and you're kind of biased to it. But there are other black people that could have played it. I'm not going to see oh. him play every. Excuse me, Chiwedo Ejiofor, Daniel Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Jaiman Hansu, there are tons of black men in Hollywood that could have played that. We didn't need Chadwick Boseman. It's great that he's getting it, and it's great that the story's being told. But, I mean, like I said, that's my only gripe of the situation. That's the only reason why I feel kind of awkward about it. Shut up with your hate, man. You know what. Anyway, Sister Drew, what's up? I I actually have a tip for everybody this week that I learned a few weeks ago. Um, Somebody gave this message, and it's something that sticks to with me. And it is excuses are the enemy of execution Mm. excuses are the enemy of execution so all Mm. i got to say folks is listen uh whatever it is that you're trying to do whatever it is you've been planning to do whatever it is you put on the back burner whatever book you need to write whatever podcast you need to start whatever 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 excuse you put before you recognize that it's keeping you from executing whatever god's placed um, for you to get done. So excuses are the enemy of execution. That's what's up. Yes. Uh, what, what's up for me is uh, recently there's a small town in Georgia. I wonder if Sister Drew's familiar with it. It's called uh, Hoshton, Hoshton, Georgia. And the mm-hmm. mayor of Hoshton, Georgia, uh, they were trying to hire a city administrator and it came out that she intentionally separated this guy and denied him uh, an interview because he was black so he wouldn't be able to uh, apply for the job of, uh, of city administrator. And the reason why she said that was because she said she did not believe her small town of Hoshtons was uh, ready for a black city member, city council person. And she was backed up by another city council person who said, yeah, she's right. Uh, God doesn't like ugly and he doesn't like the, the races to mix. So... <laughs> so this is this is this is 2019 that we did 2019. <laughs> anyway, and you know the t- the town is a small town, 80, almost 90 percent white. That neither one of them are losing their job or their seats. So it, it's, no, it, it 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 happens. All right, right about now is also the time that I want to just cut the damn show short. But I'm going to give Rick his <laughs> opportunity. Uh, Rick, go ahead and tell your blasted joke. Best part of the show. No, uh, for our guests, just so she knows she hasn't listened before. This is the best part of the show. So, uh, this is a very quick joke, man. Uh-huh. It's about this black business summit that was happening in Detroit. And there was a young man who got invited to it. He was very excited. He goes to the ballroom and he sees this guy who's one of the richest guys in the South, one of the richest guys in the country, right? So he gets the nerve to go up to him and he says, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, Mr. Benjamin, Mr. Benjamin, uh, I just wanted to know what's your secret to success? How'd you do it? And uh, the older man looked at him and he saw that he had a hunger. He had a desire to learn. So he said, okay, let me tell you my story. So uh, really for me, it, it, I saw opportunity. Uh, I moved out to Seattle and uh, I bought 
out of umbrellas. And then we had the monsoons. So I sold out of the umbrellas, made a lot of money. And then I moved down to Texas and uh, I bought a lot of napkins. And this was before the great barbecue cook off that happened back in 07. So I sold out all my napkins, made even more money. So then I moved to Atlanta and that's when I really went up. And I invested in condoms. And this was before Freaknik. <laughs> 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 I was laughing at homegirl's face. I can't even. Like, uh, she's so disgusted right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that we had to put at her. You... I was just laughing at her face. She was listening listen, to listen. I, I, the number Bless. of let, the letter of emails Bless. that I get about Rick's Bless jokes. Bless it. Bless it. That's all she can say. Bless. Sister uh, Drew, I'm sorry to put you through that, but I want to thank you for coming on the show, for taking the time out, for being, uh, for kicking it with three guys like us. I know we're not worthy, but I thank you anyway. Where can people find you if they dare to find you? Woo! I, I am easy to find. All you have to do on any social media platform, just go at Drew Elons. That's D-R-U-E-A-L-O-N-S. That's what's up. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hustle, where can people find you if they want to find you? You can get more quality jokes like this. Oh, You see, she she damn near fell out. She's a quality joke. What the hell are you talking about? On the gram or on Insta, if you're a Kardashian. We didn't even talk about this, man. Kardashian, what's her face? Kim Kardashian is on the low. Getting people free. Rick, yeah, can you just tell people where we want to find Just tell them where you're going to find I don't want to talk about hey. Kardashian. Just tell them where they can Look. find you. How <laughs> can Christ. we find you? Thank you. you. Oh, more jokes. <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Instagram talking about Kim Kardashian freeing people. Um, and about to make money off of that. Okay, I'm sorry. And uh, uh, you can't find me on Facebook. I've been Zuckerberg. And you can't find me on Nigeria today because they banned me. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> I, told you, I told you all. All the Africans hate you so much. I get, Ooh. I get, I get emails from my cousins Babatunde and them telling me how much I need to kick you off the show. Yo, Phil, those, those are the ones that do the bleach on Justin. Nah, nah, that's not the, that's not the one. Oh, that's the one that told you that there's a million dollars waiting for you. Just get uh-huh. me. <laughs> Phil, where can people find you? I, they want to... And find me on Instagram strictly under the orange crush with a K and not a C in the middle. Or SP Methods. That's what's up. And my, I am Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me at MR underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another episode of the In the Black podcast. Remember, we want to hear from you. Help us continue these conversations by reaching us at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, informed, intelligent, in the black. Peace. <laughs> This is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black Podcast. Big old McBridge and Big Up. Yeah.
Black up, we make up, we rip it up Make it sizzle on them just a little Don't give them too much Yeah, we in the black and it's all good Mr. Hustle Hard, Orange Crush This for all hoods This for everybody, intelligent folks who read books Even part-time crooks listening and get hooked Yeah, on the game right now We got a big foot On them black social issues We got the info Speak about the things that get you tense And leave you all shook Speak about the current events That made us all look Big up every African king Big up no brook Big up every African queen This thing's all good in the black podcast, never, never whack All you other podcast cats better step back Yeah, I love playing around on the track DJ Henny's better than many, you know it's a fact We pass them, you can't outmatch what we have Feel the impact in the black podcast ass You know this is a podcast from the black love Chat about the news when they find your head top top Current events, not a lick of it a lot to the top, we are going to stop In the black club, in the black And the body's podcast, black club Say that day, in a day black, yeah, in a day black truth, you love that right here, you feel that, yo, different